Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome in to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Tim Kalinowski of Action Network. I'm usually joined by the entirety of BCS themselves, the heartbeat of our college football coverage. That would be Brett McMurphy, Colin Wilson, and Stucky. But we're down our B today, Brett McMurphy. You know, in case you haven't noticed, college football, it's kind of busy season, bowl games, transfer portal, meetings. So, Brett, he's got boots on the ground doing, you know, real actual big time work um while the rest of us the three of us get to sit here and you know fire off some hot takes talk about some bets maybe fire on some and react to what has been a a crazy week in college football and so i guess i'll start with i don't know if you've you've heard this story or not but florida state they get left out of the college football playoff 13 and 0 Stucky, I know you're pretty much over it, but uh, it is a podcast and, you know, people do care about what you have to say and they they tune in. So I guess maybe put a little bow on what your feelings have been on Florida State. And I'll, I'll make it easy on it. I give you credit because you were banging the drum that Florida State wasn't getting in for over a week. And I think a lot of people were kind of shaking their heads saying they'll never leave out a 13-0 Power 5 champ. But you were bang on, Stucky. Yeah, I said it for three weeks. I said, I think... Florida State's getting left out unless this is a tryout. Their offense has got to look good. I've said this for weeks. I said they're going to be left out. Um, and guess what? They put up 50. They threw for 50 yards um, against a bad Louisville pass defense. So, yeah, we got the four best teams in. And it says one of the principles. Another thing that I was looking at is it says one of the principles of their decision is if you have a player that will be out that materially impacts your your play. And people say, Ohio State, I want a future on Ohio State when they got in with their third string. But here's the thing. With Cardell Jones, they put up 60 in the Big Ten Championship. I promise you, if Florida State went out there and put up 60, they get in. They would have, okay, we have a competent quarterback. We know the defense is good. But they didn't. And I think everyone is, you know, besides, I feel bad for Florida State fans, players, uh, the team, not the senators writing a strongly worded letter to the committee. Come on, go do some real work, guy. Um, But yeah, I feel bad for everyone, but I think we got the four best teams. So I got, I think we got the two. Um, it's the best and the most deserving without any material injury. Um, and I think that they got that right. And you're gonna have the, you're gonna have the the crowd that says, "The games don't matter. The games don't matter." I mean, what do you, like? I'm I'm curious to see what the, what they'll do be doing next uh, throughout bowl season and every Saturday next year. And the games do matter. If Auburn beat Alabama, Alabama was out. Um, you know, if Texas lost Oklahoma State, Texas was out. The games matter. 
because Florida State's offense showed that they're not confident without Rodemaker. The games do matter, and Florida State's out. It sucks, and they pitted them against Georgia. We'll see all the players that sit out there in a battle of two courses. But, uh, yeah, I've been saying it for weeks. I was on an island. No one else wanted to say it, but I'm glad that it happened for just betting and entertainment and us talking about the the games for the next month. Um, yeah. So. Colin, your word? My final sound. Well, I mean, I tweeted out last week. I mean, I tweeted out last week that ESPN has spent billions on the SEC network. ESPN has spent a significant amount of money on the Longhorn network, and both of them make more money than the ACC network. Uh, there's no way that, you know, if things hold right now, that this is what the playoff is going to be. I think the thing that, by the way, from a power ratings perspective, I have 17 other teams power rated higher than Florida State. I know that's not a part of the committee, and they want to play the whole game like we don't look forward we don't look ahead um you know and then people are like well they're on their third string quarterback i'm like the market moved one point when tate rodemaker was announced out it wasn't that big of a deal i I think the thing that really over the last 36 hours has transpired that just makes me sick to my stomach kind of makes me want to throw up is not I, i think florida state fans coaches uh alumni anyone that supports the program i think you have a legitimate beef legitimate gripe i think you can continue that for a long time that's fine i get it but people in the media i'm talking like stucky and i i'm not talking about people in other spaces in other college football verticals talking like this is some sort of travesty like somebody got murdered and this is so bad for college football the reason you have a job in sports media in college football cashing a paycheck is because of the popularity of the sport and the direction that it's going florida state in the playoff would have stopped that momentum going into next year. You just got the four best teams. Indirectly, it helps your job. Quit talking about how this is a travesty. This is the best thing for college football that could have ever happened regionally, geographically, money, everything. And we all want the sport to continue going forward and gaining popularity. And Florida State in the playoff was not going to do that. So props to the committee. Balls up. Don't have to answer anybody. Wash my hands. The 12-team playoff is next year. We move on. And if you really want to be a national champion, Florida State fans, I completely agree. If you beat Georgia and you want to claim yourself as a national champion, do it. Do it. I I, I would agree. You you deserve it. You're undefeated. You beat Georgia. Yeah, there, there was it was it was screwed from the jump. Five conferences, four spots. And I think you're kind of foolish if you think that for a second an SEC team was getting left out. And Brett said it on these airwaves. They they get the electric chair. And if you don't think that that's true, just ask why Florida State spent the entire summer hiring lawyers trying to figure out a way to get out of the ACC deal. And it's not just because of the SEC paycheck. Along with that comes a, you know, unwavering amount of um, benefit of the doubt when you're a part of that conference. And like, I, I just, I kind of push back on people that are like, so, so shocked by this like did you not know the rules of the game do you not follow college football this is how it's been like this is the dumb stuff happens here it's the same sport that now has washington going to play rutgers in you know field hockey am, am i wrong no i mean listen stucky mentioned that he cashed an ohio state future back in 2014 this is the exact same scenario I'm the reverse of that i had a tcu 635 to one they were ranked third they beat iowa state by 50 points and then dropped out of the playoff. If anybody wants to have a bitch and a complaint, it should be TCU fans and me with that ticket. So, I mean, this was, I, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, Guess this what? was The easy. sport went on, games will continue yeah. to be played. Uh, the only thing that could derail this sport, you're always going to have, uh, you know, faux outrage about things like this. But the only thing that could be derail this sport is if they, uh, we implemented martial law and took away all betting lines on the college football games. That's it. <laughs> That's fair enough. I mean, how else How else could you watch Iowa? Um, so I want to just dive in then to a little bit of, uh, especially that SEC championship game. Bama wins 27 to 24. Georgia ending an insane winning streak, insane run that they were on. Just watching that game, Stucky, what, what went wrong for Georgia uh, from your eyes? Uh, I mean, they lost. Um, so, I mean, what, look, I mean, they weren't like a, an enormous favorite. It wasn't that shocking that they lost to me. Um, but I think a couple things. Number one, they the they got 
kind of hose on a couple calls. I will say that as someone who had no money, I had the, I had the under. Um, so I had no, no interest in the side. And I know Colin wanted Alabama, but just as a person, you know, I was watching with, without any bias on the side, there was a couple calls that went against Georgia, which their fans can have a gripe about. But I also thought that uh, the game plan was bad. Mm-hmm. They ran it 31 times for 78 yards. And I thought that they were just running into walls way too often. And they should have let Beck, who's been great for how long? Um, and, you know, you had Bowers play. You had McConkey play. Um, you have all of those weapons. You weren't running it well at all. And they just kept trying way too often. So I think Alabama's a really good team. It's a close game. But I think if I could point to two things, a couple calls went against it, which is going to happen in a football game. And then I just thought the game plan, uh, the the frequency of rushing was was way off. And uh, even if you came into the game plan, because there was, there was, you know, if you look at some of the advanced metrics, you could, Bama was a little softer in the run run defense in some stretches this year, but it wasn't working. You got to adjust. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't think, I didn't really love the play calling throughout um, so I would say that those were the two biggest factors. Colin, do you see it that way? Yeah, I mean, absolutely everything that Stuck said. I mean, when you look at Georgia, they averaged 2.97 yards per play on running plays, and then they were just completely shut down in passing downs. They only averaged 2.8 yards in passing downs, a 30% success rate, well under national average. From an overall yards per play, they did beat Alabama, but it comes down to, you know, the fact that you just made mistakes at critical times and Bobo who had been letting Carson Beck let the ball fly down the field, especially after the Brock Bowers injury, that all went away. Uh, not sure where, uh, you know, the shots downfield, there were no explosive uh, running plays. There were only a handful of uh, passing plays that went over 15 yards. seems like they got you know really- they all came. The, you know, those, those explosive passing yards, the first drive, they went yeah. eight plays, yeah. 85 yards. They had a completion for 23 yards, 14 yards, another 15 yards, and then Kendall Milton uh, ran for a touchdown. Right. And then we there was no, no other explosive passing plays pretty much the rest of the game. Yeah, and I think, you know, even they held Jalen Milrow down. I mean, he had a, a technically 14 rushing attempts for 29 yards, but it's the mid-tier passing that Jalen Milrow's finally started to put on display that is going to be a problem for Michigan. Everything that Jalen Milrow does is going to be a problem for Michigan. Yeah. Um, and also too, I mean, McConkey and Bowers, they didn't play the week before against Georgia Tech. And I think a lot myself at least, I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt that they were resting those guys and they were going to be a closer to a hundred percent than what we saw them look like against Alabama. And it's funny because I was looking at some tweets after the Washington, Oregon game, and it was like did Washington kind of just sleepwalk through the month of November because they were getting healthy and waiting to play Oregon. And I think that we probably is trying to come up with a lesson here as, as betters in the future. And that every team, these teams aren't necessarily who we think they are week by week because they're battling certain things. And I think I gave the benefit of the doubt. Maybe a lot of people give benefit out to Georgia and not necessarily Washington. And, uh, and what we saw with, you know, just a looked like a healthy tough team in Washington. Um, Stucky, did you kind of see it that way too? Like I'm trying to come up with some sort of a lesson here and handicapping these teams that kind of are meh before they turn it on. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nuance to every team. Like, uh, like Washington, they dealt with the flu, they had injuries and every, every team is a. And science stealing going on. Yeah. Every team is a, is a, its own unique puzzle piece every year, which is the best part about bowl season. And then, you you basically take the puzzle pieces and you know they're all the same color and you throw them up in the air and you got to put it together in the dark during bowl season but that's that's the fun of it uh but i will say something to keep in mind for the alabama michigan game i don't necessarily know if i had like it was a great bet on the under 55 and a half in alabama georgia but one of the points that i raised is and it came through for me a couple times over the weekend one of the most underrated un you know factors of college football and, and, and NFL to some extent is special teams where you could find some edges. I said, look, these two, two amazing punters. And when you have two amazing punters, you can flip field position and it can really, and they're two slow teams. 
here are the punts in that game. And by the way, Michigan has a really good punter too. Alabama punt 50 yards inside the 20, out of bounds, no return. Alabama, next punt, 56 yards, fair catch at the 13. Georgia punts 60 yards, fair catch at the 8. Uh, Georgia punt 55 yards. That actually was a bad punt because it was a touchback. Alabama punt 40 yards to the 6, fair catch. Georgia uh, punt 45 yards inside the 20. Alabama punt 40 yards. This was their, their one bad punt, and there was a return. How many times did Alabama and Georgia, they punted, you know, inside the 20, 10 with no return. And when you have two slower teams, and again, Michigan has a really good punter, slower team. Um, that's all it might take to, you know, to get a, a total that goes under, even though their teams are having some success moving the ball. And then we also saw Miami of Ohio against Toledo put on uh, a special teams clinic and basically won that game just with special teams. So, um, I thought that came into play over the weekend as well. Yeah, a comparison everyone's making, the SEC championship to the uh, MAC championship. Colin, um, yeah, I, I guess kind of like building off that, I, I'm i just kind of, I guess, kicking myself for, why didn't I see it coming with Washington and them get all of a sudden turning it on? And I I, I assume Georgia would turn it on. Like, I, I just, you know, I feel like you had a lot invested in Oregon too, and I'm just trying to make sense of it all. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely didn't have Oregon minus nine and a half. I mean, we knew right, that right. way too high. But at the same time, Washington showed things in that game that they've never done before. First off, they were completely healthy at a wide receiver position. And on the other side of the ball, they were able to stop Oregon from running. I, I, I mean, a 45% success rate for Oregon running plays, um, That you know, that's below national average. They only had one run over 20 yards. Once, once you shut that down, you got into the passing. Franklin, you know, uh, ha had to come out of the game a couple times for for what looked like an injury. Um, you know, Washington also just had a stranglehold on the clock. Uh, I think they only allowed Oregon to have, what, 22 minutes of possession in that game. Um, it's really the Oregon defense and the fact that the speed on the outside for Oregon was consistently met at or behind the line of scrimmage was something I never expected to see the Washington defense do. Now, uh, I mean, is that going to apply to Texas? Texas has got some problems in the secondary. I think that's starting to show up in the market right now. There was finally some buyback last night on, on some of the Washington numbers out there. And the over continues to climb up because the more announcements you hear about what's going on in the Texas secondary, you think Washington can expose that. But listen, Kalen DeBoer has lost like 11 games total in 100 games as, that he's been a head coach. Um, and how are you going to give him a month and to get this team at full health? Uh, Washington is legit. And uh, that defensive factor that I talked about, you know, being able to go sideline to sideline with Oregon. Um, that's one of the big reasons why they won the game. And uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Uh, this is, you know, Michael Penix has been in the game six years now. <laughs> Kalen DeBoer is one of the best head coaches. We all need to acknowledge it. So we'll see if it works off in the playoff. Yeah. I would, um, I would say that, that, you know, there was a lot of things. Penix, like I said, there was some flu, that Pettix had a, was dealing with an injury for a little bit. Their wide receivers weren't fully healthy. The emergence of Dylan Johnson, uh, and then their defense a ton, a lot of injuries up front. They also started playing Carson Bruno more linebacker. They had all their safeties were hurt, so I didn't see it coming. No one did because for six weeks they were skating by, and a lot of it was you know these other factors that sometimes you can pick up on, sometimes you can't. And um, yeah, I thought that their their defense was significantly improved. And their defense had been trending in the right direction um, over the past few weeks. It was their offense that really just wasn't there since that Oregon game. And then you also got to remember, though, it is just one game. And some teams match up well with others. Um, so you never want to overreact. And, yeah, I mean, you're asking why you couldn't see Washington step up and not Georgia. I mean, yeah, you, I could say that after every football game. Why why don't I uh, own in multiple enormous islands and super yachts if I could – always know which teams are going to uh, overperform and underperform. But uh, yeah, I think the Washington defense is real. And then having the receivers out there, I agree with Colin, we'll break this down in full, but I don't care about the emergence of Dylan Johnson. It doesn't matter. He should stay home. Uh, you can't run on Texas. You're not going to run on Texas. I mean, we just, no one can run on Texas. We've seen multiple really good running teams. Try it. You can't. Yeah. So they're going to go now, empty. They're going to line yeah, up. Now in Washington, Washington has, now three Sunday receivers healthy, um, which obviously I know Washington isn't a fast team, but um, watch and Washington 
now it has an advantage on the outside. And I think that's the approach they're going to take, which would lend itself to an over for sure. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top notch thanks to German engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Um, well, you're, since you're talking about it, we'll get into more of the bowl games. But uh, early leans here for the two semifinals. Michigan is a minus one and a half favorite over Alabama. And as for Texas and Washington, Texas, a four and a half point favorite over the Huskies right now. Any early leans here, fellas? I don't personally. Uh, I got to. The Michigan Alabama line is going to be around where it is. I mean, I, I would assume a lot of people are going to bet Alabama, right? SEC. So if anything, I could see that line. You know, in a big playoff game, the public can have a say um, of where a line 84% goes. Eighty-four percent of the uh, tickets, eighty-seven percent of the dollars. Yeah, which doesn't mean it's wrong. Uh, some people always just think that you fade the public blindly. That's not how it works. Um, but. So I could see this line going to Bama pick minus one. Um, you know, then maybe there's some sharper groups that are like, I want Michigan plus one. I don't know. My the point is I don't think it's going to a three either way. So I don't, I'm not, I'm gonna spend a, a ton of time diving into the matchups. There's some injuries I want to monitor, especially on Michigan side. Um, so I, I haven't really dove in to the matchup because I I know that I have time. Um in the other game, I would my initial thoughts again. I gotta, I don't think it's getting the three, right? So again, I have time. It's not like this thing is sitting on seven, seven and a half or something, and I made it where I would be wanting to have a little speed. So over, over in in Washington are my first lanes. I think Texas wins like a field goal game is my guess, um, but I think Washington has some real advantages on the outside if they decide to come out here and chuck it around, and I think that's the approach they'll take. DeBoer is a really smart coach. I don't think he's even going to waste his time running it. So while Washington's slow, you know, they're they're not a they're a pretty methodical team. I think they're going to be throwing it and they're going to hit a lot of explosive plays. Um, but there's there's some injuries on the Texas side too that I have to monitor. I don't I doubt Xavier Worthy's going to play. You're going to get a lot of games from these coaches, but he was on crutches. So and that's a big loss in special teams and a wide receiver. So we'll go, I'll go into this every which way imaginable. And so will Colin and we'll break this down on our one of our many bowl previews, but uh, those are just my quick initial thoughts. Paul, and time is time of the essence here, or you know, take take your time. Uh, no, I agree with Stuck on how the market is going to react. I doubt the Texas number ever gets to three. I doubt the Alabama Michigan game ever gets to three. So I, I think you certainly have time. If I didn't have futures in place, which let's start with Texas Washington. I have a twenty-five to one and a hundred to one. I'm probably not going to have any action on this game in the app or anywhere else. Uh, I, that one's just going to be a pure, uh, let's see who wins for me. But if I didn't have any action at all, I'd be buying Washington four and a half right now. I think that is going to evaporate, eventually settle in at four, maybe three and a half. Uh, there are a lot of advantages for Texas in this game, except the one place that they can be exposed is where Washington can completely expose them. And I'm not sure if the Longhorns are going to have an answer for that. So I can see why the the total kind of dip went up to 64 and a half, but um you know, we'll see. We'll we'll talk about the total later, but I think Washington has a real shot of winning that game. And then on the other side, uh, again, I have a lot of Alabama futures at nine to one or better, uh, and I'm letting them ride. I am not going to be hedging with Michigan whatsoever. Uh, I don't believe in JJ McCarthy's passing, and if they want to get into a shootout like they did with TCU last year, like all of a sudden if the passing game wakes up, uh, Alabama's ready to do that too. 
And I think they can do it a lot better uh, from an explosiveness perspective. Plus, if you are just going to rely on Blake Corum to run off tackle or try to run inside zone, Alabama is going to chew you up and spit you out. So uh, I, I don't see any advantages really for Michigan in this game. Uh, if I didn't already have Alabama futures, I'd be hitting Alabama today right now. I, I like the one one number, the one uh, thing that I would bet now is I would bet if you like the under, I lean the under at Michigan, Alabama. Um, I don't think the Michigan offense has no explosiveness right now. I think both teams are going to play conservative early on. They're not fast teams. But Bama goes even slower when the stakes have been the highest this year. Um, and I think, Colin, you brought up that TCU game. I think Michigan is like, we got away from ourselves and who we are last year in this game. So I think they're going to go back to their like roots and – um play this more close to the vest and what did i say before two amazing punters in this game two so you get two amazing punters and two teams that play slower you could have easily just the field position gets flipped a bunch and then the drives will take uh a lot of the clock away so and and the reason i bring that up is if you do like the under i still again i haven't dove in completely but it's at 45 and a half so you know 45 is key yeah, I, and keep your eye on the weather. Last year, I was at the Rose Bowl for Penn State in Utah, and the rain in L.A., Pasadena, was coming down, and that made it a slick surface, and Cam Rising and Penn State both got a couple of explosives aided by the turf that was getting chunked up. So keep your eyes on the weather there. I, I agree with Stuck on the under and the explosives. The question is, is Michigan going to show up and try to play the TCU game semifinal from last year or two years ago where they tried to run completely into the mouth of the Georgia defense and they got blown out? So we'll see, but – um, you know, as far as playing the game in the Rose Bowl, keep in mind that, that this is, you know, what the surface conditions are there and that the, the field can become a problem. Yeah. Got, um, talk, we, uh, you know, futures, uh, unfortunately, RIP calling, uh, Bo Nix futures, Bo Nix Heisman futures. Um, looks like Brett's guy, Jalen Daniels going to win the Heisman massive, massive favorite here. Uh, well, I'll just kind of ask this. we, Kind of the theme of uh, this show, you know, mostly uh, lobbied by Brett is, look, it's going to go to the best best uh, player on the team that's in the playoff or the best team. That's not going to be the case this year. It's going to go to Daniels, LSU team that's not in the playoff. Is that, Stucky, is that, is that good for college football? And does that change the way we do this going forward? Or it doesn't really matter because we're getting in, into a 12 team anyway? Because essentially, we we kind of as a group led by Brett, we're, we're wrong, essentially. Uh, I mean, yeah, Penix could still win it, though. I, I mean, I don't know what how humans think. Uh, other humans, they could just say that, look, they're undefeated. Penix just had two – he had, you know, a stretch where he wasn't that great, but I, I think he could – Well, he's 9-1 to one right now. He's 9-1. to I one. think you could easily make a case for him. Um, I uh, – but, I mean, from everything that I've read, it's probably Daniels. I, I don't know. Um, does it matter long term? No. It's an award. We – we can we we will move the goalpost every year for who we want to give it to, um, so it, it's it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was Bo Nix's award to lose, and he lost it. So uh, can Penix come? I don't know. Three hundred nineteen yards, only a TD against Oregon. I'm not. You're not going to have the TD ratio that you're going to need when it stacks up. It the, the problem is is <laughs> most of the voters look at the wrong stats and the wrong stats that they're looking at will make Jaden Daniels look like the greatest thing that's ever happened in college football since maybe Lamar Jackson. So uh, Penix has a shot. I definitely think he's in the conversation when you have an undefeated team that is in the college football playoff and contending for a national title, uh, but he's not going to have it from a statistics perspective. So it just leans on what kind of voter you are. Uh, if it, is it a team award or is it a complete individual award? And if it is an individual award, then sucky and I'll be right back here talking about Bailey Zappi. Well, well, Colin, what are the right stats then? Who who would the right stats uh, favor? Yeah, I mean, TD, I think TD total is important, but also the, you know, I think available yards, I think success rate, I think continuity, I think, uh, you know, all-purpose TDs. I think, you know, if your team makes the playoff, I think it's a big deal. I think if you have an undefeated season, that's an even bigger deal. I mean, LSU did not win in multiple games where Jaden Daniels didn't show up. We wouldn't be having this Florida State conversation if he would have showed up in the very first game of the season. And in my opinion, when you play your biggest competition, you should have your best stats. And that didn't always show up, uh, you know, and I, I think it became a farce at the end to tell you the truth. I mean, it's, they were trying to do everything they could against Texas A&M to pad Jaden Daniels stats, except they forgot they were trying to win the game. 
So eventually he had to start handing the ball off and he eventually had to start using the rest of the team. And that's where it's like, what are we voting for here? A guy that would sacrifice an LSU win to Texas A&M just to win this award. I mean, that's where it's like, I mean, what are we doing here? Uh, It has to have some sort of merit that you lead your team to an undefeated season, make it into the playoff and you have enough counting stats. Yeah. But Tim, it ultimately doesn't, it's not going to matter next year. We'll have a different argument and, yeah, I know that Brett says that, but 2016, Lamar Jackson won it. They lost four games. So. Well, Caleb Williams too. They that wasn't a playoff team, right? You know, well, a lot of other a lot of other people took them. I mean, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young took themselves out of the Heisman running. Same thing with Bo Nix. What happened to Bo Nix last year is what happened to CJ Stroud and Bryce Young last year. Yeah, I, I you're right, Stucky. Obviously, but it's we. It's funny. Be I mean, I wish Brett was here, but it was we were kind of like, hey, it's gonna be. I guess I guess what's happened the last two years is the last week the play the person that controlled their own destiny failed they 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 lost it instead of grabbing it and that's that's yeah, kind of it was a 10 see. point favor to win it and he didn't right right um well speaking of quarterbacks we the, the portal has some incredible quarterbacks uh stepping in and possibly on the move possibly testing the nfl Notables, uh, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma, Cameron Ward from Washington State, Riley Leonard, Duke, Dante Moore, UCLA, Will Howard, K-State, DJ Weangale, Oregon State, Grayson McCall, Coastal, Kyle McCord, Ohio State, Tyler Shock, Texas Tech, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami, Max Johnson, uh, Texas A&M, sounds like he's going to North Carolina, or he is. Any of these names uh, stick out as, you know, you're kind of like salivating, hey, this would be an ideal spot, or surprised, um, you know, I, I love having fun with this stuff. I know we, people say well, it's free agency, but I think it's a blast, honestly. Kyle McCord could win the Sun Belt, so we'll see where he ends up. Uh, same thing with Tyler Shook. But, no, he can't. Uh, no, he can't. <laughs> uh, you never know. Uh, Grayson McCall, he hopped in the portal last year and came back out. A little right. bit of whispers around there, being he's a system quarterback, more of a Jamie Chadwell product, so we'll see. His NFL draft prospects definitely went down, um, so we'll see. Where I, think he's, I think he's almost guaranteed to go to NC State. Yeah. And then Dante Moore, I mean, that's going to be the highest bidder. And I believe that's going to be Miami. So we'll see. But I mean, Riley Leonard at Notre Dame is extremely interesting from a national perspective next year. I would almost, without looking at anything else, without looking at schedules or anything, say Notre Dame's got a spot in a 12-team playoff with Riley Leonard as a quarterback. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I would say Dante Moore, maybe Ohio State, I could see happening. Some people are saying Michigan. I don't really see the fit there. Um, maybe Will Rogers, Washington. Um, I could see. I re- I could see. You know what really makes sense to me is uh, it looks like Will Howard is going to USC for what it's worth. Um, Riley Leonard. I mean, uh, Lincoln Riley flew to see him. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is confirmed to Oregon. I think that's a really good get for the Ducks. Tyler Van Dyke makes a lot of sense to Louisville for me. Um, I think Grayson McCall is going to go to NC State. Um, who else? Who else do we have on the list? Probably DJ. Do you think DJ will go to Michigan State? Um, no, I think the other kid's going to go. Uh, Childs. I mm. he's mm-hmm. he's probably give more upside. I think he's going to end up at Michigan State. DJU, we've seen, we've right. seen enough. He's, I mean, he, he could end up somewhere like. You're telling me. Uh, Indiana it's, or something. It, it's money, um, and which Indiana will have, by the way. But it's it's money for DJ. It's all money related. Nothing about system fit. Nothing about a former coach or quarterback. Well, and, I didn't mention too, Colin. Your guy KJ Jefferson. Yeah, KJ is snapping pictures of his ceiling and saying, "I haven't made my decision yet." So, okay. uh, the thing is, the thing is, is he does not fit a Petrino offense. A perfect Petrino offense has a player like Ryan Mallett, a pocket passer standing six foot seven, six foot eight, that could just drill darts and read progressions in two seconds. That is not KJ Jefferson football. I wouldn't be surprised if A, KJ is not going to find NIL money somewhere else. And B, if Petrino and Sam Pittman say this is an open competition next year. So that's that's my that's my guess about what's going on down at the hill. Also, uh Georgia. Some people are saying Carson Beck could be a first or second rounder, but they say if he stays, he'll be like top five. So if he stays, Vandergriff is gone. And I'm told Vandergriff to Kentucky is pretty mm. done. 
I, yeah, I think I already saw a report that Vandergriff is in, but I don't know if he's officially uh, put his name in. I my favorite name on the board is is Cam Ward of Washington State. I like I, I think Ohio State would be a, a pretty good fit from what we've seen past Ohio State quarterbacks. I feel like he is he is worth a ton. If he gets, I don't say it with Cam Ward. I I don't like his. I I he has he has a lot of talent, but then you see games where teams are pressuring him and he falls apart. So he's got to have an offensive. It, it moves the needle if he has an offensive line. That's it. Yeah, but you're gonna yeah. go. You're gonna to win a national championship, which which is should be Ohio State's goal. You're gonna have to get through some games where you're getting pressured. Um, so I don't know. Um, we'll see. Do, do you think um, someone like Dante Moore, which it was kind of a mystery at UCLA with some injuries and whatnot, do you think that? And I think, you know, you guys are really high on him in the in the preseason talk about if he starts for UCLA, UCLA got to be play on. Does he not you guys? Get... That's Colin. That's Colin. Was Colin. Okay, was okay, Colin's, okay. Colin's uh, gaff this year was his UCLA takes. I'm completely willing to defend it. I mean, the big thing there is Chip Kelly was struggling to get maximum production out of uh, DTR for years. And then he brought in uh, Seth Gunderson to be his quarterback coach uh, from San Jose State. The final two years of Dorian Thompson Robinson were electric, cut down on the mistakes completely. So I took the hiring of quarterback, uh, you know, of Gunderson, Ryan Gunderson, sorry, uh, as a positive thing for Dante Moore as they tried to shape him in the mold of DTR. It was a complete disaster. And you notice that Ryan Gunderson was, has already departed. And I believe he's the offensive coordinator at Oregon State now. So uh, there's a disconnect between Chip, his quarterback coach, and Dante Moore's handlers, which the recruiting was a little bit fickle. His attitude with the coaching staff and Chip was a little questionable, uh, especially with Colin Schley and Ethan Garbers in town. So um, we'll see where Dante Moore goes. Is the noise and the traffic and the drama off field going to follow? We'll see. Yeah, no, no question the talent with him. We just we just have to see it. Um, how about a, a Colin Petrino? Petrino. Um, I don't know if I've heard you. Um, I don't know if I've heard your take on the on the matter uh, yet. Apologies if I missed it on Twitter and whatnot. Um, how big is this? You got to be pumped, huh? Oh, it's huge! I love it. I love it. I, I don't listen. I live in Baptist country. There's a lot of a lot of religiously tied people around here that really hate the Petrino's been hired. Uh, they don't like what happened, how it ended. I'm not going to get into that. I think it's great. I don't care about your integrity. I don't care what you do off the field uh, as a coach. Your personal life is none of my business. I do care about wins. I do care about losses. And frankly, this was the one of the best options to come in here and clean up our offense. You don't give him head coaching duties. You allow him only to focus on the offense and get his system in place. And unlike Texas A&M, he will not have handcuffs. Pittman is not going to come into his room and tell him it's going to be A, B, and C. Petrino is going to be completely in charge of that. Pittman can return to the role that he's always been best at which is player counselor ceo recruiter a little bit of offensive line dipping that's it and you know I, I i love the hire i absolutely love the hire i think it's a positive we just need the players which we don't have we don't have sec level players right now especially on the offensive side of the ball so we'll see what the portal and what recruiting does for us um real quick in the arkansas weeds here do you think Pittman wanted this because he could be hiring his um successor they have a good relationship. Um, uh, Pittman has a great relationship with Barry Odom now at UNLV. Barry Odom has a great relationship with Petrino. I think there's a lot of mutual respect between all of these coaches. And I believe Petrino was the number one choice. But if it doesn't work, Pittman's done. Uh, and he knows that. you uh, When you have this many coordinator changes and it doesn't work out, if you don't get seven, eight wins next year, I don't even, I'm not even sure if six is going to be able to save his job. Yeah, that's that's the bet. And if it works out, it works out. And well, it's the same thing. We're investing in the devil to get us out of a hole. And it's either going to go fabulous and get us to a sugar bowl like we did in 2010, or it's going to be in flames like it was after Petrino fell off the bike. <laughs> uh, Stucky, with some of the notable like head coaching moves, uh, Mike Elko is going back to A&M. Is there any of these that have caught your eye maybe from a, a play on perspective in that this this team should be trending up. I, I like where they went or or vice versa. No. I just spent 48 hours going through 570 names in the portal and getting <laughs> our bowl 
up tracker updated. I have not even begun begun to think about next year. We're focused on this week. Uh, fair enough. By the way, so, yeah, that's a, a quick plug. That should be up this morning. I went through every single portal name for every team, listed everyone that's in it. Backups where what the backups will be where warranted doing injuries now. And I listed all the snap counts for people. Um, it took me two days, two full days. <laughs> You're out of your mind. Um, so that moves us to the one game this weekend, army Navy Stucky, your favorite, I guess, um, I'm I'll step aside here and let you two, um, argue over the total in the game, which is 28. Yes, yeah, 27 and a half now. I've said since we've been doing this podcast that, um, and for what it's worth, you know, if you're, I think Army Navy games have gone under with 15 straight years before that double overtime went over. It's, I said literally for five years while we've been doing this podcast, I've said it for longer. I make it 33 every year. Colin can attest to that. I make it 33. I always make it 33, 32, 34, right in that ballpark. This is the lowest over-under by over four points. And it's a market. So if you look back at Army-Navy, for example, you know, just to throw out two numbers, the Service Academy Unders are 50, 10, and 2 over the last 20 years. But if you go back to the past 30 Army-Navy games, 24 of the 30 have gone over 27 and a half. And if it gets down to 26 and a half, 27 of the 30 games went up 26 and a half. So there's levels to it. Now the market is caught on and the, the total keeps coming down and coming down. So if every year for the past 30 years, the army Navy total was two and a half, everyone, it would be like, this is the easiest over of all time. It's gone over now it's come down. It's not the same story anymore. So um, under 28, I always, I told Colin and our producers for years, I said, I would, I would only consider the over once it gets below 28. Here we are. Um, I actually want 26 and a half. The game's landed on 27 a bunch. And it's, you know, when you're, when you're this low scoring, every point is very meaningful. Um, I don't think weather's going to be an issue. That's something I'll have to look later in the week. I like Army initially, but there's a lot of injury, quarterback injury uncertainty with Navy, like literally three quarterbacks, or we don't know if they're going to play or if it's going to be freshman Braxton Woodson. So there's a lot that I still have to dig into. Initial thought is I trust the Army offense more. Both defenses know how to defend what the other is running, but uh, I trust Bryson Daly and the Army offense a bit more. So uh, as of right now, not going to be a big play, but go Army beat Navy. Army is a two and a half point favorite. Call. I would take the money line, by the way, because like they're okay every yeah. point. It's um, I I the game is at Gillette Stadium. I was considering going, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, I'm gonna. I love the pageantry, all this. I'm just gonna show up, and then not really much happens during the game. You know, it's a lot before and after. Um, Colin, I guess your rebuttal, or maybe your uh. You're on the same side as Stucky here, well, I'm thinking. In case you're new to my face or my work, uh, this will be the sixth year I've covered an Army-Navy game for Action Network. I've taken it over all six years. Last year, it went over. Wrote it, wrote it up. I said, this game is going to overtime. Bet the six-to-one prop. It's going over because of overtime. Guess what happened? Overtime and over. 27 is the number here. I'm staring at it, 27 and a half at a couple of pretty big shops. When that 27 hits, birds will be in flight, money will be down, and it will be over 27 will be the play. Side, uh, I mean, I'll defer to, to stuck on that. I'm going to have a full game write-up on action, but I haven't gotten into uh, who we want to take on the side. Generally, three is good, but I doubt you're going to get that. You're not, you're not going to get three on Navy. This thing is probably going to hover in a dead between pick and, and, and two and a half. So, um, but, but stuck is right. Every point counts here. Um, but definitely, 27 is the buy number, and when I see it today or sometime this week, Birds will be in flight. It seems I was just thinking here, and I know um I know it's blasphemy in the college game, but like with the numbers like they are, T's 
Navy up to eight and a half and get the uh, and the over as well. Tease it down. Like, I mean, there's so, so little variance in this game. Like, I know we don't do that, but, you know, anyone. If you're ever going to tease a side, I would tease, you know, you could tease Navy. It's like the one time you could tease a college side. You're going to cross three and seven. So yeah, three and seven with a total of 28. Um, but I wouldn't tease a total. Um, so I would just tease it with like, you know, if you like Alabama, get them over a touchdown or something. Yeah. I, I, listen, I think if marijuana is a gateway drug to black tar heroin, this is your slippery slope. If you're going to tease, cause you don't tease college football ever. Right. You don't, you don't tease the college. Although yeah, you should I'm, just know that or total. So you should just keep that as a golden rule. Right. But if you're ever going to do it, this is the one time. If you, yeah, if you are allowed for all of you touts out there, you are allowed a one-time teaser per year, and this is the game. So go ahead and sell it. <laughs> it's like I'm looking at a baseball score here. I'm like, I feel like I'm getting, you know, th- you tell, oh, you're going through three and seven. I'm like, yeah, well, three and seven feels like I'm getting thirty and seventy. It's like it's. Um, I like what you guys said on your on your show on Sunday, and and uh, looking at these bowl games and getting. You know, talk about on Sunday when all these opened, getting a piece on some sort of a, a side and then or, or a total. And then there's so much line movement. You can kind of hedge out of it. You can double down. I'll say, you know, there's been some pretty big line movement with with announcements of quarterbacks, injuries, transfers. When you're looking at this slate, is there a certain matchup that you're eyeing, a certain theme that you're um, excited about? Stucky for you, probably Arizona. Um, I made sure to, to get them on the money line before that move, because I, I, I listen to what you tell me and Arizona should be in the college football playoff. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there's a lot of it, a lot of it's information, there's matchups, there's motivation, there's getting the best number. There's many, many different layers to it. Uh, now it's even more difficult because you can't really predict the portal, which is now crazier than ever. And you're going to have quarterbacks that go into the portal, but still play. That's the thing. Just because someone goes in the portal doesn't mean they don't play. For example, I bet my yeah, I bet Miami, Ohio, Avion Smith, if he doesn't play, I'm fucked. I didn't think he was going to go into the portal, but yeah, you're down to a third, you know, the third string uh Mac. I think he's Henry Hessen, uh, is his name. And I'm I'm done. Although Miami's Ohio could still win with their special teams. Um, maybe just have to win like seven to six. Um, and then, you know, with Ohio State, I bet six and a half, assuming they're gonna have a ton of opt-outs, and they did, and so that worked out. So, you know, I, I wouldn't bet everything early but the ones that you really like early and then just accept that some might go your way. Some of the portal stuff might not over time. That stuff will even out. Um, but uh, my favorite one now, I don't care that it moved because I think it's going to move more is uh, Missouri, Ohio state. Uh, I think, I think Missouri will, if everything, if everything happens, how I think it's going to happen. I think Missouri's going to close as like a three and a half, four point favorite. Um, so there's still a ton of value in there. McCord went to the portal. He's done. And then that, and then Ohio State didn't. I mean, look, they they were supposed to go, they were one game away from going to the playoff. So they're, they're going to be disappointed. And they have all these pros that are going to sit out. I doubt Ibuka plays. Fleming went to the portal. I doubt Harrison plays. Then you got about five or six defenders that I all think are going to sit out. And then on the other side, this is a huge game, the biggest game in Missouri's program history. They've come out, and these, these are some of the things like, with the tea leaves. Uh, they have a corner who's maybe hurt who might not play. They have a couple other pros, potential pros, every single person to a T. Drinkwitch came out and he said, everyone's playing. Uh, they asked one of the potential pros from Missouri, do you, did you, Robinson, do you think about? He said, I never thought about it one second. We're playing, we're all playing. Mm-hmm. So they're excited for this game. They're all going to play. Ohio State, I don't think really is. And then who's there going to be their quarterback? It's either going to be like Tristan Gebbia the Oregon state, he's just like a basic Oregon. He's like the seventh year senior, but it's, or it might be Devin Brown. If he's healthy enough, what does Devin Brown do? He like tries to run into walls. What can you not do against Missouri is run the ball. So then you have, the, it's the matchup too. So I think eventually this is a game where, um, and I know Ohio state has other, their backup receivers are also talented, but um, this is a, a good matchup care level, the portal, the players that are playing. And I think the line's going to keep going. So anything Missouri is a dog, I think is good. Yeah, 100%. It's already in the app. Uh, I didn't even shove the points over. Uh, I was happy to throw uh, uh, a lot of cheddar on Missouri money because I 
feel the exact same way as Tucky. This thing is going to close with Missouri as a favorite. I'm not even sure that's going to be enough for what Drinkwitz wants to do to an Ohio State program. What a recruiting tool in the portal and with 18-year-olds that are finishing up high school football that we went down to a New Year's Six Bowl game and spanked Ohio State, an Ohio State team that cannot take advantage of a Missouri defense that is leaky in the secondary and leaky against explosive plays in the air. Ohio State has none of that going into this bowl game. And if you're going to get a walk-on Cody Schrader winning the Broyles Award coming down there, he's coming down there to eat Ohio State's lunch. If Luther Burden is playing in this game, that's one of the best wide receivers that's probably going to be playing in any bowl game. So um, all the motivation in the world here for Missouri. Another game where uh, high motivation that I dipped into is Northwestern. You see a lot of Utah players starting to opt out here of this bowl game. That doesn't mean, I mean, I think there's a certain point where you stop buying Northwestern. Maybe it gets down to four, three and a half, somewhere around that. Uh, this is still a very low ceiling uh, team when you come into Northwestern, but they are highly motivated to go up against a Utah team that has just been playing musical chairs with all of their positions on the field. So, but they, you know, Kyle Whittingham is a guy who generally has an extremely good against, against a spread record in bowl game. So uh, keep your eyes open there, but I would grab Northwestern now before it goes down even farther. Um, okay. Quickly, two more bowl, bowl questions. Is there um, certain teams? I know the Missouri situation uh, because they're going to be super up for the game. Ohio State doesn't really give a shit. Are there certain teams, certain coaches, certain programs that you are able to eye ahead of time that usually have a lot of opt-outs and vice versa, or is that not really a a catch-all because it kind of changes like the tide? It's, it's, been, it's just a, it depends on the team, their expectations, the coach, uh, who opts out first, like the quarterback opting out. You know, Then you're like, all right, why, why am I going to play? And usually it's like, it's kind of, sometimes it's like all or nothing type stuff, right? If, mm -hmm. if you have, and then that's a, a huge signal, like Missouri saying everyone's going to play. That's a signal that they care. Right. And then once a couple, like if the quarterback is sitting out or transferring, he's the leader of the team. That's probably a sign that things aren't great. They don't really care that much. And they don't want to like, fit. you know, for example, Jordan McLeod, here's one, James Madison has, you know, a couple, they have five of their best defenders in the portal. Jordan McLeod, the conference player of the year, their quarterback in the portal. They all said they're playing uh, and they want to finish the job. So they got six guys, including the quarterback, all in the portal and they're all playing, even though their coach isn't there. And that's another thing. The coach leaves, sometimes that could be a signal. Um, that, But in James, James Madison's case, McLeod, all the defenders, they're playing. Um, so sometimes it, it really just depends on the team, the expectation. Um, and, uh, like for example, Utah last year, they were playing, you know, Penn state and they, now, they're, now they're playing Northwestern. I mean, what, it's kind of hard to care for that about that. So the one game this really applies to for me, which now I'm going to have to, I, I've been like, just watching it. <laughs> I've been like in the weeds with my sniper rifle ready to go. Um, I tweeted out that Kansas UNLV was going to be a banger of a bowl. Well, with Caudill Nicky, the offensive coordinator of Kansas taking off for Penn State, and you know Brennan Marion, is, the offensive coordinator of UNLV, is interviewing for jobs out there, and this game is coming the day after Christmas. I don't think people, those coaches can hold off before accepting new positions, and UNLV's quarterback, Jaden Mava, is expected to be, if he's not already in the transfer portal, it's widely reported that he's going to be in the portal. And Stucky just mentioned, if you see the quarterback hop in there, that's probably not a good sign for everybody else. Before the end of the day today, I will have an under on this game. I want 65 pretty bad. It's key, uh, 64 and a half across the board. But if you're going to give me a deflated Kansas offense that could have uh, Ballard in at quarterback against a UNLV offense that doesn't have the creator of the go-go offense and his quarterback, that screams under to me all the way. So uh, definitely keep your eyes on that ball. Uh, okay, last last question here as it, as it pertains to line movement. You talked about you wanted to get a 65. Numbers matter. I've heard of some betting theories that if a line is moving, say a plus seven's there, now it's going down to plus six, plus five, and so on, that the, the, the there is still value until it hits its bottom. Like if it's plus seven, it keeps moving, 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 then to plus three. My question is kind of like, I feel like, maybe some betters that follow you guys there's an air force plus four and a half you guys get it now it's air force plus three with these bowl games sometimes it's still moving 
is there still value like on a three? And I know you can't say it applies to every situation, but do you do you kind of get what I'm saying here and that you can keep buying until it reaches the plummet? Stuggy well, says you know what the bottom is, but Stucky says this every bowl season. If you're going to, if you like an underdog in a game, just bet it outright, bet the money line outright. And that's true. There are more upsets from a money line underdog perspective in bowl season than there is any other. So if you like a dog and it's trending that way, go hit the money line too. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I it's mean, just because I, I kind of get scared different. away, you know, like I, when you say the Missouri thing, like I kind of got scared away because you're getting a better number, but you're like, Hey, it's going to keep going. You know, is there? Yeah, but you, but you, know, you don't know if you knew where the bottom was. Then, yeah, you, if you again, this is going back to your if after the game, if I knew, uh, who wasn't won. there? A, wasn't there a West Virginia Syracuse game that moved third? Like it never stopped moving. Everything yeah. moved thirteen yeah. points in a bowl, right? Yeah. So it it depends. It, if that comes down to intel, info, intuition, um, if you're, uh, yeah. So like it's 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 really difficult to say. It's it's everything like. Just like in finance, the question, the answer to everything in sports betting is it depends. It depends on the game, right. depends on the line, depends on the situation. There's no blanket rule, right? And I, I, I'm not a complete moron. I promise. I just mean it as we're betting these bowl games so early. I feel like you could kind of expect that they're going to keep moving in some way. Like I don't know how many total freezes they're going to be by the time the public sees these and the rest of the world um, says, "Oh wait, this game's on Tuesday afternoon." Like you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but I mean the team I bet on, then they could like Miami of Ohio went from plus five and a half to three. <laughs> Quarterback went to the portal, so like they could come back, and now it's a five and a half again. Um, it, well, I think I think a beautiful example of this is Caleb Williams isn't going to play in the Cotton Bowl against Tulane. He did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Do do you uh, stuck in a situation like Miami of Ohio if, when that number's dead? Do you just let that ride and say, you know, I got a, I got a bad number? Do you, do you try and compensate and, and find another way to get at it? I mean, I didn't get a bad number because it's. Uh, I mean, but, I but if it did, if it I... was gone, if it was gone, do you just no, kind of soak it and say just, it is what it you is? Just eat it. Hey, no, just eat yeah. it. Uh, yeah, you just don't don't make a second don't make a second uh, bet that's don't make one bad bet two. Yeah. Um, and I don't even like my Ohio. I don't even hate my position. I would have really loved it with um uh if Smith was playing, but I don't think it's completely dead. They can run the ball in App State and they have really good special teams and I don't know if App State'll really care. So Well, Miami Ohio creates a lot of havoc and and that's <laughs> teams that yeah. can implement that on App State can have some success. Yeah, there's but if, if yeah, Miami Ohio I also Miami has a good money on underdog now. Because of those reasons, and because you have quarterback uncertainty, so keep that in mind with bowls too. You have a backup quarterback in there. A lot of times, you're probably better off going with the money line that you know nothing about. A backup quarterback, you're probably better off going with the money line in a bowl because number one, the favorite, there's always a chance. Unlike the regular season, that they just don't show up and don't care. And then also, you have a ton of uncertainty. So if he's horrendous, then you're probably getting blown out if the other team showed up. But you also have that upside. Um, so that's that's when I think money on underdogs can be the most valuable. Uh they're they're very valuable in bowl season in general. Um, but when you have that increased uncertainty, I think even more so. So just to plug it, I'll have a bowl confidence piece out about a week from today. So uh if you want to know what underdogs outright, uh that is uh definitely a big piece because you have to take shots in a bull confidence pool. You have to pick underdogs. If you're going to cash in those points, you just can't take favorites. So uh, look for that to come out next week. And you do a good job because for the past, uh, you know, eight years or so, I have come in the top three of my uh, bowl pools um, <laughs> pretty consistently because uh, I've used the action tools, um, you know, the, the pieces you put out, Colin, the confidence. It, um, it, it certainly helps. Well, generally, I win my I my confidence bowl pool, so I'm hoping everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I bet what I write, so hopefully it works out again for everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's an awesome time of year. And uh, before we jump out here, BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code Action when signing up to get up to fifteen hundred dollars paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky. Uh, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're about to jump, fellas. Just a what your gut tells you when you just look at it. 
Um, what's your instinct on who gets crowned the national champion? Stucky. Uh, Texas. Call it. I'm going to say it's going to be the winner of Washington, Texas, and I'll go Texas. All right. I, th I think I would go Texas, too. It's close. Uh, I mean, it, I, I'm tweening on this Washington, Texas thing, but it, I'll, I'll say the winner of that game definitely wins the whole thing. Oh, nice. It's going to be it's going to be a great playoff. I'm really excited for it. Thank you, too, for your time today. Um, talking balls, Army, Navy, exciting. And make sure that you obviously subscribe, like, review everything to this wonderful, wonderful podcast. And you keep an eye out for what's coming up for bowl season and um, leading up also to the national championship of the college football playoff. That'll do it for this episode of BBOC presented by BetMGM. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.